Beginning Transmission 135. Invincible. File under Robert Kirkman Monk. This week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Fireworks I'm too sober for this shit. Here is a drinking game to play while you listen to this episode. Please drink responsibly, and don't take it too seriously. And if you don't like it, blame William. Take a drink anytime Mr. Porg decides to interject himself into the conversation. Shut up, Porg. You need to take a drink anytime Manny Bothans makes an appearance and I get groans and fuck yous from Adam and Maya. Fuck Manny Bothand! Manny Bothand is pure genius. Take a drink anytime someone refers to me as the cum dumpster. Take a drink every time the shame bell makes an appearance. Shame! Also, take a drink anytime uh, we act like the member berries from South Park. Remember when they were on South Park? I'm I remember. Yeah, I wouldn't take a drink every time we do the bad German accent, yeah. Ah, drink, fucker! If you have any suggestions for rules you would like to add, Email us at funnybooksandfirewater at gmail.com or use the contact link on our website, funnybooksandfirewater.com. Speaking of bluegrass, have you ever heard of uh, The Devil Makes Three? No. I've heard of A Devil's Threesome. Uh, uh, that's a drinking news. game. It's a drinking, it's a drinking game, yeah. game, apparently. Liars. That's right. See, the, the gay version of that is called a spit roast. Oh, okay. I thought it was All a right. daisy chain. No, that's, that's what made me do a cum dumpster. Oh, is it Daisy Chain? Yes. Uh, uh, no, but so Devil Makes Three, um, they were like a punk rock band, and then it didn't really okay. work out, so they became a bluegrass band. And Which just unplugged? Um, no, it's like they actually changed up the whole sound, but it's cool because the, the bass player is a chick, and she's got this really cool, um, on her chest, tattoo of a uh, cow skull. Mm-hmm. Like, the horns go down her arms, mm-hmm. and then she plays a stand-up bass. Cool. So right. they're really fun to watch. If you have a chance, um, I think they're actually coming here, they just did. But they're oh, okay. really, really good. I have some friends in a local band that's called Aloha from Hell. That's sort of a punk band version of like a Hawaiian. Like they, they went sort of like more like Hawaiian ukulele oriented, but they're still sort mm-hmm. of a punk band. So welcome to the Bluegrass Bluegrass Podcast. That is correct. Cool. Mm-hmm. Hey, and welcome to episode one thirty five of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Uh, this All week right. we are. Hooray! This week we are continuing on our month of Robert Kirkman books. Happy birthday, Robert Kirkman. With uh, Invincible, which was my gateway drug into comic books, and also our special guest I know has a very strong fondness for this book as well. Panel intro. Starting with people who have way cool jobs, we have Mr. Todd. 
Yeah, my uh, <laughs> job. Yeah, you know, what's really cool about the job though is it pays my bills. And that's exactly. Awesome. That's... <laughs> so go adulting well, I suppose. Yay. Right. Adulting. So hey, I'm Todd. I'm here, a panelist on the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. You can also catch me on English Class Hooligans with our own cat herder himself, Brian, and my better half, Amy. I have to be, we need to schedule that recording session soon, by yes, the way. Yes, we do. So, we do also indeed. I need to finish the book. Yeah. It's not that long. It's not. I just haven't what had time. What are you doing? Frankenstein. It's hmm. October. Well, when you hear this, it's November, but we're recording ahead of time, so we're... Yeah. That one's the one that's behind. We need to get ahead on that one, especially since there's a, uh, a new uh, panelist coming through who uh, will be very loud and, and not very well read. So Sure. Yeah, that's true, huh? <laughs> yeah, that'll be happening. But the the um, the new panelist's opinion will be heard. Oh, I'm sure hers will be. She will not be stifled. No, no, no. Still trying to figure out the name. My my most recent one I sent by that got shot down though was Cleopatra. Ooh, I like it. You know why not Adam Eve? No Bible oh, names. There you go. <laughs> no, no Bible names. A T O M, like from the book. No Bible names. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't want any Jewish names. I don't want any Bible names. And Cleopatra, kind of like the first feminist. What about Nefertiti? Nefertiti? Yeah, yeah but then you get Nefertiti. And, like, yeah, I was no, going to say. Yeah. Well, eventually she will have those. Right. That's the, that's the problem with kids' names, though, is you, like, as an adult, you're like, okay, that name will be fine. But you have to also be concerned about, like, what shit they're going to get as a child. Right. You know and I mean? you can have cute little kids' names, but you're like... Who wants a without knowing people's names? I hear like um, Buttercup. You have Buttercup, but then you have like your Lacey, Macy, JC, Tinley, Finley, Renly, Kinley. I mean, those names are yeah. stupid. So speaking of funny names, uh, when I was in high school, my Bible teacher back when I was a good boy mm-hmm. uh, always had people make fun of his name when he was a kid. So when he was going to have his kid, uh, he wanted to make sure he would name them something they couldn't get made fun of. So he decided to name his son Ren. Red and Stimpy debuted on TV six months after his son was born. Yeah, oh, no. that's terrible. That's just <laughs> horrible timing. So we go through, but my other trick is I've got a mouthful of a last name that has ten letters long, multisyllabic. Cleopatra is too much because it yeah. doesn't go well with the last name. It's so, it's a full sentence what that is. You know, it might yeah, it's more than I mean, it's not even it's more than a Hemingway sentence. I mean, we're verging yeah. on like Hugo like That's <laughs> true. So, yeah, all right. Hey, I'm Todd. Hello. Th- speaking of Victor Hugo length, we have Mr. Adam. <laughs> all right. I've got girth, not length. We'll just say that. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> hey, what's up, everyone? <laughs> now you know more about my anatomy than you ever wanted to know. Pogo. <laughs> Sound like a cheese wheel. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those little eight-ounce like side. Pepsi cans. There you go. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, that's not how it's like. Hey, what's up? I'm the reviews editor and film critic for Big Shiny Robot. Uh, you can also find me on the Borders of Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy. Hi, Andy. Hi everybody. <laughs> uh, also over on Cinema Queens with our good friend Chris Stout. Hi, Hi Chris. Uh, and as always, curating our Grinder Scruff and Tights with a Z account. Also, if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at Sithbot, S-I-T-H-B-O-T underscore. Yeah, the underscore at the end of it because someone else had already stolen Sithbot, hadn't they? Yeah. yeah. And someone who never posts yeah. either. Yeah. Rap Total lazy bot. Like, yeah. Hey, delete your account because, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
And I tried to get Sith underscore bot, and that one's taken too. And he only do a dash, so fuck them. It's not my Twitter handle, but my uh, my my gamer tag on a PS4 I took from a joke from the show, by the way. Which yeah. Oh, really? Of. Yeah. My 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 gamer tag is Vader underscore hates underscore sand. Um, I don't remember what the joke reference was, but it was something like I had made a list of like random band names from like jokes we'd made on this show, and Vader hates sand was one of them. So that's if you want to find me and play FIFA with me on uh, on PS4, that's my my gamer tag. So there you go. Sweet. Well, since I'm already talking about myself, hey, I'm Brian. We'll re- we'll do this out of order, like we've never done this before. But uh, I'm Brian. I'm sound designer based out of Southern California, and now officially a grad student at the University of Denver. Thank you very Yay! much. Yay! I can officially say that. So, uh, so I am going to be a grad student for years. As if I wasn't busy enough, I decided to take on education as well. So there we go. Hey, uh, when someone else is paying for it. It's true. Very true. Valid point. Uh, speaking of also super busy, we have Mr. Maya. Hi, I'm Mr. Maya. <laughs> you, were, uh, you were busy working today. You were the hardest person to schedule today. I haven't, That's why gone, I said. I haven't gone to work yet. I'm going to work after. That's why I need to get uh, through this. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, catch me on Twitter at Mr. Maya or Instagram, the Mr. Maya. Or you can follow my cat on Instagram or Twitter at It's the Jonesy. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Come find me. We'll talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, a buddy of mine got a, a really cute corgi named Maui. You can follow on Instagram, who's adorable, and it's a, I think his Instagram handle is a corgi named Maui, or a corgi called Maui. I can double check that. While I double check that, we have a very special guest returning this week. We have Mr. Andy Wilson. Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me back. So excited to be here talking about Kirkman and Invincible. You can find me writing over at graphicpolicy.com. You can find me on social media, on Twitter, at Citizen Andy, and uh, lots of other places. But yeah, uh, check out Bored as Hell podcast because we're we're trying to do stuff now. And as we get <laughs> more, yeah, as we get more into the fall, do I think we'll, be, we'll yes, we'll be we'll be doing <laughs> more episodes more often. So yeah, come check that out. Oh, and also come check out the Hall of Greatness. It's great. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and and Brian, let me know when you're ready to come on because uh, we're ready to have you. And that goes for the rest of you. Um, All right. But not only those of you who are guests on this podcast, but you listening, if you have an idea for something that you think is great and you know me, uh, reach out and let's, let's talk. And let's talk about a thing that you think is great and why it's great. Uh, coming up. Oh wait! By the time this comes out, I don't know what we're going to be talking about in November. But yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah. What did you talk about in the past? Oh well, we've uh, one of our best episodes is the Mount Rushmore of rock and roll. Of uh, oh, okay. who, who are the greatest rock and roll bands? Who are the four you'd put up on Rushmore? And it devolves into a discussion about uh, sexism and racism, which gets very interesting. Uh, we, we're our most recent episodes. We also talk about, uh, things like why the midterm elections are important. Uh, again, that's probably a moot point by the time this comes out. Uh, we also do a feature, uh, where we bring you a, a triptych of music. That's, uh, three interrelated, uh, pictures. Think of it kind of like uh, a flight of whiskeys or beer. Uh, three interrelated songs or movies that we take from uh, a given artist. And we've done everything from Steven Spielberg to 
uh, Nine Inch Nails, and we're just all over the place talking about things that we love, asking ourselves the uh, the three songs that are their best, their most representative, and the one that you think of first. So uh, come check that out at the Hall of Greatness. It's a lot of fun. I don't know if this really applies, but there's a weird thing. It's not a song I would necessarily say that I really love, but there are three very, very different versions of it that I like all of the different versions of it, uh, which is uh, the song Personal Jesus. Mm-hmm. I can I can think of three really great versions of it. I know that there's a fourth one that I think is okay, because there's the original, mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. is the Johnny Cash version, mm-hmm. and then there's a lesser known, it's on the final album of Gravity Kills. That uh, one's good. That Even Manson's really version is not yeah. bad. Manson's version is also not bad as well. I, but that, that's, of my opinion, that's the weaker of the four um, versus original. But, like, it's still, it's one of those things where it's, like, it's a very interesting song to have such a variety. I mean, the Manson version and the uh, version by Gravity Kills are probably the most similar. But if you go from, like, the original to Johnny Cash to Gravity Kills, it's, like, a really wide variety of musical genres that this song is performed when I think it's very interesting. Right. Does it have anything to do with that TV show Gravity Falls? <laughs> no. No. Oh, okay. No, but I did love Gravity Kills. They didn't I last, but I love Gravity Kills. They were such a great band. Like good middle of the road industrial band. Like you know what I mean? Like an yeah. industrial band that your mom could probably listen to a little bit. <laughs> no. <laughs> to a weird certain extent. Yeah, um, sure. I you know. But, but no, the, I do, the last I album Superstar was one of my Gravity Kills. So. Yes, Todd is also there. I yeah. think you also dug Stabbing Westward quite a bit as well, which is kind I did. of the last album genre. was a regret. But yeah, there's yeah. a lot of good stuff in Stabbing Westward. But anyway, there you go. There's there's a mid '90s industrial music hour for yes. you. Mm-hmm. Um, and to clarify, it is uh, my buddy's uh, dog. It, it is a freaking adorable puppy. It is a dot corgi dot named dot Maui. So go follow that cute little puppy. It's ridiculous how adorable that dog is. It's disgusting book intro so yeah this week we are doing uh invincible mm-hmm. uh basically this is uh kirkman's sort of ode to the love of the superhero genre it's about a um a kid named mark whose dad is actually a superhero named omni-man and he is hoping that at some point in time he will get his powers when he hits puberty and the book sort of starts when he starts to get his powers and he starts to become a superhero and you sort of uh, get a little bit of uh, what that building of your own identity as a superhero kind of is, and he has his first team with his dad, and like, it's it's very much a love letter to superhero books, and also eventually gets into some like not in this particular issue, but in the long run of it, and I'm sure Andy can test this, gets into some definitely heavier issues about uh, what being a superhero means and things like that. My application. Well, so Todd, what would you classify this book as? You know, it, it's definitely it's it's your superhero teenager. Teenager is a superhero. This is the I'm not Spider-Man book. Would you go with books. wish fulfillment? Yeah, there's wish fulfillment sitting in there, and it's I mean, you very much nailed it on the head. It's like the ode to the thing there. So there are a lot of ways this guy is it's following the Spider-Man mold because if you take the idea of you have Spider-Man going on and it's this kid in high school and he's things going on and so he's got the high school relationships with the heavier things going on it's there it's the um, it's the Spider-Man superhero arc so this is how this classify starts out because so if you like Spider-Man this is the book for you that's not Spider-Man that's wish fulfillment high school things pressures of living up to your parents and being rich being rich yeah that's a yeah. very long classification if you were to, if you were to put that in a bookstore that, that'd be a 
What's your elevator specific section? What's your elevator pitch? Minute? My elevator pitch? We don't have the rights to Spider-Man. Let's do something just like it. Fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> drinking game. Mr. Todd, what is your drinking game? So the, the, my drinking game is, I'm sorry, I just had to go off and save some people. You were saying? Um, mm -hmm. Every time the Omni-Man is having a mid-conversation -con and for a frame or two, he disappears and then he comes back. You should take a drink. Which is a very similar drinking game to mine, but mine applies to other people as well. Uh, now you see me, now you don't. Every time someone disappears and then reappears quickly, take a drink. Similar, but slightly different. Uh, Mr. Andy, what is your drinking game rule? Yeah. My drinking game rule is Logo Man. Anytime you see a logo for a corporation that is very obviously a stand-in for another well-known corporation, uh, take a drink. Uh, they do a lot here what? to make sure that they don't get sued by uh, people like Toys R Us or Burger King. Uh, and also, uh, there is at one point someone wearing a Tool t-shirt. I guess they felt that having Tool do that on one. your t-shirt was, yeah, they could get away with that. So... Take a drink did with that. Did you also catch uh, the, the uh, Back to the Future reference? I did. I didn't. Did Andy? Andy, did you catch? I did. Oh yeah, there's a Back to the Future reference in there. I didn't catch it's the Back twin. to the Future one. I caught the it, Charlie Brown one though. Yeah, one, one of the malls is Twin Pines Mall. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um. Anyway, okay. So, uh, Mr. Meyer, what is your drinking game rule? Uh, my drinking game is high school stereotypes. Uh, okay. Basically, anything that you would consider a high school stereotype, such as a bully shoving a kid into a locker, or two kids making out behind the dumpster, or just anything kind of along those lines, take a drink. Cool. And uh, Mr. Adam, what is your drinking game rule? Uh, so <clears throat> mine is called The Dame Game. Uh, anytime they say a superhero's name. Okay. They, they name drop one of their own characters that they've created. Yes. Validity votes. Uh, so let's jump into votes as to whether or not we view, believe that it is worth you, our dear listeners, hard-earned time, money, and effort to go and read this book. Uh, Mr. Adam, what is your vote? Yes, definitely. Uh, Mr. Todd? Yes. Mr. Andy? Yes, with an asterisk. Okay, what's the asterisk? The asterisk is, I think this is a really poor representation of what Invincible becomes. Yeah. Becomes. I agree with that. Yeah. I can see that. Um, I will agree with Andy on that, that yes, I love Invincible in the long run, and this was one of my gateway drugs, but the book becomes far more than what this book represents it to be. Um, and Mr. Maya, what is your vote? I also say yes. Okay. Playlist. So here's a new feature that we've been kicking around and back behind the scenes um, that we're going to try out this week. Uh, it was a sort of a fun idea. This is to sort of give you, our dear listener, a better uh, reading experience, also to give you a chance to kind of get to know the vibe of the book and what we would sort of suggest. So we're going to pair this with um, some music that we think is worth uh, listening to or would be fun to listen to to give you the whole overall experience while reading this book. Uh, we're going to call this feature The Playlist. Uh, Mr. Andy, you were the first one to send me stuff, so what is your songs for The Playlist? Uh, can I have two or should I keep it to one? You can have okay, two. So I, I, Go for no, it. A lot of people send me two, so two is fine. Okay, I'll give you two. Uh, the first is Jane's Addiction Superhero. I apologize that that is also the theme song to a terrible TV show, but that song rocks. Yes. That song is great. What is it the, what is it the theme to? Entourage. It's the theme to Entourage, okay. which oh. to a certain extent is kind of 
for this book, Entourage is very much like a, a wish fulfillment sort of fantasy. Right. And this this book has a certain level of that with it as well. So I, th- I can see sort of a connection there, even yeah. though yeah. Like, and, and on, not necessarily great. And Entourage was like actually the first season or two was actually interesting to watch because, yeah. you know, watching them struggle and trying to become something. And then it's always like when they got big that they became douchebags. Yeah. The so, first season yeah. or two are interesting. And it's funny to think back on them trying to make an Aquaman movie. Uh, and that was like the yeah. big thing <laughs> working with James Cameron to make an Aquaman movie. But yeah, yeah, uh, and and there's a little bit of douchey vibe in uh, in Invincible, so that that kind of works. Just a lot of yeah. yeah, a lot of high school, so that that kind of works. The second one, uh, there's a lot of uh, space fantasy in here, and and this is a song I dearly love. Uh, in the meantime, by Space Hog, uh, just got a mm. kind of great '90s alternative vibe. Uh, very David Bowie, and I know that we'll have some other David Bowie on this list. So, uh, it, but there's, um, but that's a lot about, you know, becoming who you are, and uh, yeah. So I, I think that fits as well. Mr. Adam, what is your song for the playlist? Uh, so speaking of David Bowie, I'm going to go with Heroes by David Bowie. It's as if I knew exactly what you were going to say. It's weird, isn't it? Ooh, prep work. Prep work. <laughs> Maybe I sent you a text. Prep work. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Is like people understand that we actually do talk outside this podcast. Oh, we do. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, we, we just we just turn the mics. It's the only time we ever converse is the only, is when we turn on the mics. That's mic. right. We don't text back and forth all week long about all sorts of weird shits that's going on in our lives. None of that. Uh-huh. I'm gonna go with uh, this one. It's it lyrically it doesn't make any sense for this, but it's there's not really a whole lot of lyrics. A song called Battle Flag by Low Fidelity I, uh, All Stars. I it actually came on while I was reading the book and it seemed to fit really well. Um, I had in the background. The other one I'm going to do is uh, actually kind of fits into that douchey high school uh, jock vibe, but uh, it sort of also fits into the superhero vibe. I'm doing Centuries by Fallout Boy. Mm. Um, Mr. Todd, what are your uh, what is your songs? So I've got two songs. They're a bit crunchier than mm-hmm. the other ones, but lyrically, actually, they go really well. It's um, mm-hmm. first one's by Disturbed. It's indestructible, and listening to it and whatnot, you've got this main character coming into his own as like, oh, I've got powers now. Look what I can do. I'm gonna do this, and he's just leaping off the edge. And so indestructible there. And the other one is um, from Hollywood Undead called We Are Young. Um, doing that as well and it's just kind of like this amp dump hormone driven things going on as you've got this world where all this shit's going down and they're like here we are the world is kind of a mess but here we are doing our thing cool so and yeah mr maya last but not least what is your drink or what is your Um, uh, playlist song you know reading this i got a really like early 2000s teenage movie vibe so i i chose teenage dirtbag by weedus <laughs> that was that was also part of my my battle flag uh choice because it was on the radio in like the late 90s early 2000s so i totally agree with that vibe uh, trivia question does anyone know what cool. what the band name yeah. weedus comes from i have no idea i think i might have known one time but i can't think of what it is i don't it, it is David Lee Roth's pet name for his penis. Oh. <laughs> you know, that makes it a much better band name. That yep. is the second penis reference in this episode so far. It's one it, of those days. We should apparently. just name the episode that. We don't do That's those kind awesome. of names on it, but yeah. We would get in trouble for it, but at least we're not Cinema Queens. 
I'm assuming Adam's so, giving me so a dirty So Adam look. is making for great audio right now by flipping us off. I you know, it's fantastic. But you guys couldn't hear that. Uh, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I couldn't hear it, but I picked up the vibe all the oh, way. Did you? Oh, yes. I mean, I, it's I like knew. someone's giving a shoulder rubbed by Manny Bothans. That's nice. Yes, Go fuck yourself. I know. <laughs> oh, Adam, we love you. And we love mm-hmm. Chris, too. Hi, Chris. Hey, Chris. <laughs> what are you eating? Lagavulin, 16-year. Oh, okay. It, t- it tastes like cocaine. Liquid cocaine in the mouth. It's Ron Swanson approved. Oh, that's the stuff. How is that? Well, what do you think, Adam? I like it a lot, actually. It's, 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 Adam it's, thinks it tastes like cocaine. It does taste like cocaine. Um, do you know this from I, experience? I was, in my, I was in my 20s at one point in my life. Okay. Uh, that was a few days ago. Clark's a few days till he gets there, so. These... <laughs> Narrows it down. <laughs> Clark refused to tell anyone his uh his birthday. Oh, and actually, he uh, on National Coming Out Day he came out. Oh, so all right. that's kind of cool, Clark. No, I like actually I like it a lot. It's a little bit smokier than the whiskeys I've tried before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not mm-hmm. quite as smoky as say like Campfire by High West, uh, but mm-hmm. it definitely has a more of that that taste. But it's really smooth and it tastes delicious. But it's also, really um just peaty. like Adam. Peaty, yeah. It is quite okay. peaty. Just like Adam. I'm kind of hairy, so. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's also uh, definitely something you'd want to go and like shoot. It's, it's, you want to kind of savor it and mm. take small sips. So yeah, uh, you're making me good. miss my whiskeys. It's one of my favorite Parks and Recs moment when Ron Swanson tells uh, Adam Scott's character that uh, that uh, clear whiskeys are for women on diets. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> pours him a glass of Lagavulin uh, and he he goes to drink it and he's just like he's having a real hard time processing this and I'm like wow that, that that's a whiskey so way to way to way to do that it really is so yeah so I'm just here sipping away at some Lagavulin it's great stuff okay I'm jealous. Actually, I'm very jealous now. Final warnings. Um, just that you're probably gonna want to go read more. So if yeah. you've got Comicsology Unlimited, you can get the first ten f- trades for free. Uh, but if not, you're gonna want to go out and buy stuff right away. Yeah, okay. but the series is complete. Yeah. Yes, they ended earlier this year, actually, which kind of depresses me. But that's it's okay because the artist of it later takes over. Not this artist from this issue, but from the later books. Uh, Ryan Otley, who we've mentioned before, he ends up uh-huh. uh, becoming the the illustrator of Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man. I guess I should, yes, I should, yeah, I should clarify that. So. Speaking of logos, speaking of logos <laughs> and getting yourself into trouble for logos, <laughs> that's a totally different issue. But uh, yeah, it applies to an early conversation. It does, and they had that. They had that uh, that press release on lockdown. They knew exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know. So anyway, well, cool. So this is the time where we will give you a, a little chance to go and read the book. Um, we all do recommend it. that you read it. Do it. Um, do and it, we're warning you it. now: you're going to become addicted and want to read more of it. So I guess that's that's definitely a sign of something. <clears throat> and then when you get back, we're going to be spoiling the living crap out of it. So uh, yeah. just so you're forewarned, uh, you know, not that there's a whole ton to spoil in this book. There's not like a lot of plot twists or anything like that, but it's a know, pretty it's straightforward still... book. It's, yeah, it's it is setting, pretty straightforward. Setting up the universe. So, question as we go into it: When yeah. is Robert Kirkman convoluted, or is he pretty much straightforward in most of his stuff? That's an interesting thing. Um, we'll get to I, it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would Think say okay. 
Yeah, let's well, think about we'll it. Think about we'll come back. The break. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Let's think about it. So we will see you on the flip side while we think about those those things. All right. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. At Push My Buttons Podcast, you can get all the gaming news, as well as information on latest releases and game reviews. You can also watch us play some of your favorite games, everything from Sonic the Hedgehog to God of War, on YouTube and Twitch. Follow us on all the social media and listen on all of your favorite apps. Just search for Push My Buttons Podcast. Plot Summary uh, so we start out with uh, it, it basically starts as a flash forward. So you see uh, a scene that you're going to see later uh, towards the end of this storyline of uh, the superhero in a uh, in a uniform. You don't necessarily know who he is yet. Um, he is uh, throwing a person with a bomb strapped to them and uh, like throwing them so they explode and then he lands in the snow. Uh, we then get four months earlier uh, with a nice little masturbation joke of this mom saying if you keep doing that you're gonna have a heart attack while he's reading a comic book in the bathroom. Um, and so uh, it's this, you know, this kid and his mom in a normal morning before he goes to school, except for the only difference is uh, he asks where his dad is and his mom doesn't know. And then he sees on the TV that his dad is fighting a giant uh, dragon in, I think, Taipei or Taiwan, oh, Taiwan. Uh, and you realize, OK, that's his dad. So uh, he goes about his day in school. His friends invite him to go hang out. And he's like, no, sorry, I have to go. Uh, work at school um or have to go to work at the burger place he's throwing the trash outside and all of a sudden he launches that bag like a motherfucker and it flies and he realizes i'm finally getting my powers and he's really excited dad shows up to dinner they sort of discuss he tells his dad that he finally has his powers and he starts experimenting with his powers and starts starting and stopping little a little crime but he's dressed more like a bank robber than anything else so his dad takes him to get his actual first official uniform uh he starts out with one that his dad had used when he was a kid uh, a bully is picking on a, a kid in a, lo- a hallway, so he, of course, steps up to him and ends up, like, smashing the shit out of him into the lockers. Mm-hmm. The principal pulls him aside and says, hey, I don't want you getting into trouble. Um, then there is a bank robbery, which uh, he stops and uh, basically introduces himself. Uh, so then we flash to his father telling him his entire origin story, which spoiler for the future is partially a lie i'm just going to tell you that now where his father is actually from a different planet and they were basically trying to colonize and spread their um their peace amongst the world yeah they're basically their peaceful thing and so he basically signed up to be part of the this interplanetary uh peace corps and that's why he ended up here ended up falling in love with his mom then had a kid blah 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 so Mark uh, is bored. He goes out flying in his pajamas. He ends up running into a guy trying to steal some stuff. He gets into a uh, little fight with them, and then he ends up with the teen squad showing up to help out. Finds out that one of the uh, members of the teen squad is a girl that goes to school with him, so they start hanging out and having fun. They go on patrol together. She, uh, As he's sort of talking to her, she has to remind him, oh, by the way, I'm dating the robot guy, so there is some sexual tension that will be building up there. Um, so they are continuing to try to hunt down this guy who is robbing the... Uh, robbing uh, before teen squad eventually hunts them all down um and then um there's a guy who wakes up at the twin pines mall and he has a bomb mm-hmm. strapped to his chest and it's a uh, it's a student who if you pay attention we will later find out the student was uh, asked to stay after class with uh his school there and uh so anyway they go through mark finds out and realizes that all of these students that are getting bombs attached to them are from his um uh are from his school uh, he quits his job as a uh 
uh, at the burger joint. He's afraid of how he's going to tell his father, and his father eventually says, well, now that you're a superhero, you can probably quit your part-time job, which also implies that his dad totally knew what was up anyway. Uh, so he teams up with his dad for a, an adventure. They're fighting all these aliens, and his dad gets sucked into a, um, a portal um, at the last minute, and they don't see him for quite a while, but Mark ends up making it home in time for supper. Uh, last chapter, uh, Mark is hanging out with... Um, Oh, she's not dating the robot. She's dating the guy named Rex. But anyway, so you see Rex and uh, Adam Eve, uh, who is the girl he went to school with. I don't think I mentioned that beforehand. Uh, they're uh, they're having a nice little romantic, like a little kiss when they show up from uh, doing stuff. So uh, Mark and Adam Eve are trying to do the decoding of the uh, what the supervillains are doing and why you know whatever they're what, why the bombs keep showing up at it. And then suddenly uh, they realize, oh, it's their science teacher has been the one who's been doing this. Science teacher gives up his, himself really pretty quickly. And then we flash to the scene we saw at the beginning of the very beginning of the book of Mark basically throwing the science teacher as a bomb and he explodes. He's now sort of semi-committed. Well, he's definitely committed suicide. Uh, Mark comes back, has dinner with his uh, family, and uh, uh, basically Mark and his dad both talk about all the things that they did that day. And then, of course, his mom is just like, well, that's nice. So this is just another normal day in the life of, uh, what is that family's last name? Um, Grayson? Whatever. Grayson. The Grayson's household, you know, saving the day and making a home in time for supper. Uh, did I miss anything there? No, that's pretty much no. it. So- Analysis. Cool. Well, so, Todd, what is you You had a definite thought about uh, the convolution of uh, Robert Kirkman, or lack thereof. What, what is your thoughts on that? Well, what's interesting with this... I haven't read a ton of Robert Kirkman. Um, previously, we have done Battle Pope, which I really yep. enjoyed. The biggest criticism of Battle Pope is it's all surface and there was nothing deeper. Yeah. So, as fun as Battle Pope does, it was just a kiddie pool of material he was working with. Mm-hmm. As you're watching this right here, at least on surface level, it seems to be how much deeper is it? It's like, oh, here's a kid. Dad's a superhero. He's hoping to become a superhero himself one day. It's starting to happen as you're watching through the steps. Is the uh, story quite linear? Even though there is a slight flashback of his dad telling of his time, but it's still there. So it's a very linear story. There's bits and pieces in there you can catch, but it's not. Is there more layers in depth? I guess is begging the question. And does this happen with Kirkman or is he just a very by the book, by the numbers storyteller? I think, and Andy, maybe you you have an opinion on this or whether or not. But my opinion of it is, is I think what en- what's ended up happening is is that we've started out in Kirkman in chronological order, and I think what's happened is is that he has developed as a writer while writing, I think in particular, Invincible and Walking Dead, and doing these longer runs of those. And I think he's developed more as a writer and gotten more depth into it. Specifically, I think in The Walking Dead, it gets significantly in depth and has a lot of social commentary to it which is what makes it interesting because it's more about social groups and how different people interact and there's a lot of characters being juggled when you get into that later i don't know if the book we're going to read because we're reading the first volume of it if that's going to reflect that in fact i don't think it will Mm -hmm. but the interesting thing about reading because this is invincible like one having read it over the course of 10 years i've definitely seen a growth and an evolution but i can see where having only read battle pope and invincible you would think okay there really is nothing deep on the surface. I think um, you might be surprised when we get to Outcast because that's something that he's written more recently mm-hmm. um, and has significantly more depth and uh, backstory that he's sort of hiding but that's bubbling underneath the surface and there's a lot more maturity to the writing there. So I think that's one of the other interesting things about reading Invincible and Walking Dead from the beginning is you can actually sort of watch the maturity grow of a writer 
which is kind of interesting as well. I All agree. Right. Yeah. And and I think I mean I don't think Kirkman is as deep as some of the other people out there uh, in comics. He's no Bendis. Yeah, he it, it, and or, or even or even <laughs> Fraction or uh, you know, uh, a, a bunch of other people who sometimes write stuff that just blows my mind and uh, really weave some some cool social commentary in there. Uh, but Kirkman's kind of a medium level guy. He's he's not just surface. But with this, it's like he has to set up the basic architecture of the universe in order to later subvert that and change it. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's right. what he's really doing here. So yeah, it it seems really textbook, but it's 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 because he he kind of has to. Uh, you know, the Beatles had to put out "Please Please Me" before they could make "Rubber Soul" and "Sgt. Pepper's." So, and I mean, and, and part of it was they had to prepare their audience, and part of it was they had to prepare themselves as artists as well. And I think that's kind of what you see in both of these situations. Right. right. It, not to say that Kirkman is the Beatles of comic books, because I no 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 not fly, but 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 there but there is a growth that you can see in him as a writer, and I think that you know this is the beginning of it. And so I think as much as I thought it was kind of fun to do things in chronological order, it may not have been fair to him as his writing style. But um, I I don't know if there was like a spot like mid invincible to jump in on you know what i mean to to be able to read something a little bit later there probably is if i think about it really hard or if i went back and reread it all but it's sort of hard off the top of my head to say oh yeah we jump in on you know trade 15 and that's a really good storyline that we can do on its own you know um sure but uh but yeah so okay. i mean so well okay then todd so this being sort of your your first experiences with kirkman what are your thoughts on this you know as um even with Battle Pope and everything, things um, story-wise, in the geography of it, it's really easy to follow, and it's going through, and he's got some wonderful beats in there. I think um, one of my things that made me laugh out loud first was basically when his dad went, it's like, you know, I've got a guy for superhero suits. Yeah. And I don't know if this came out before the original Incredibles did or not. It might be the same era, but, you know. It was around the same time, but I think this might Great be minds think thing. alike. Yeah. There's no issues there. Great yeah. minds think light, but I've got a th- like I've got a guy for that. And he's like, "What is this costume?" He's like, "Well, if you come up with a name, I can do something better." And the fact that his costume looks like the lowercase i is kind mm-hmm. of awesome. And then um, the other point that sets up tension in the future is the is at the very end of Trade Four is you've got um, Omni Man. The husband has come back. It's like I've spent the last six nine months. Stuck in present in this other dimension. I did this whole revolt and I did all these things. And you could tell why the way he was talking. It was quite the harrowing event that was traumatic in many ways to him. Mm. And then the wife is like, well, that's nice, dear. Do you have time Mm -hmm. for dessert? (laughs) And her total lack of being able to comprehend or relate. Since she has this inability to relate, or so it seems at this point. She just kind of ignores or, it. Or maybe she's just so desensitized to it by this yeah. point, too. Kind of like South Park's been dealing with that in school shootings yeah. this year. And like yeah. the Catholic Church. And I kind of saw it more as like a coping mechanism. Because yeah. if you think about right. it, she mentioned that, yes, she was worried about him. And like, she's like, I remember that time when you were a kid that he disappeared for like six months. But I think that's, you know, obviously we know people down here don't have superpowers. We don't live in that whatever dimension exists that, that, sure. that happens in. But if you look at that kind of relationship, you almost 
you'd almost have to go kind grow kind of numb to it because if you worried every single time your husband or your wife or your whoever yeah. went off and fought some dragon in Taiwan, you'd be, you'd be on you'd be a wreck the entire time. Or you'd sure, be a by all means. And but as you watch it with her just moving on, right. there seems to be a distance that has developed. And, that could and the relationship be. very much seems they're going through the motions. I think it's just blasé about it, is what I think it more is. Well, you, you guys would know more than we do as far as what happens. I mean, obviously we're not asking for spoilers, but no. But she evolves significantly, I would say, Andy. Don't I mean? Would, wouldn't you? Like she, she ends up right. having a great deal of emotional drama later on in the run of the book, um, around sure. this whole her her family being constantly at danger. Um, I'm trying to remember if there's an actual breaking or cracking point, but. Um, there, there, there's a lot more that goes on with her later on. I, I think at this point, it is interesting to see where she starts. Like, it it's is very interesting to go back and reread this and see where these things started versus where I now know that they get. I mean, I haven't read the ending, as I, I said, I think off the air. I have the last trade, but I've been avoiding reading it because I don't want the series to actually be over. And when I finally read the final book, the series is actually over. So I haven't done that yet. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's. Um, it's it is interesting to see where these characters end up going based on where they start right and adam i i see a great parallel here to a film we've we've both just seen uh that has now been out for several weeks by the time you hear this uh first man that Mm -hmm. the way that claire foy's character as uh neil armstrong's wife janet has to compartmentalize and deal with you know the fact that her her husband is a superhero um you know it's it, she does a lot of the same and there is a breaking point there as well and there's there's only so much that that she can take i don't know if that was one thought that i had as as i was watching this i don't know if you or as i was reading this i don't know if you had similar feelings adam uh no i can definitely see that because you know in in first man it's she's dealing with the fact you know in a sense this Neil Armstrong is going to the moon and that's that is kind of at that point in time and you know space travel was so new and they were having so many problems and you know they show a lot of that in the film that you kind of were a superhero you know mm-hmm. to say like hey I'm the first person ever to set foot on the moon um well unless you want to believe that Stanley Kubrick faked it all that was a that was a you know a huge thing for us to finally accomplish especially when we were in the space race with the Soviets so you know his disappearing and having to do all this stuff was kind of like like you said in this book with the husband taking off um but obviously, I see a little bit different parallel with you know Neil Armstrong's wife in the movie because she does finally have that breaking point, like when he's when he's leaving to actually the day before the mission where he's going to go actually land, or a couple days before, but he was leaving to go prep for the the Apollo Eleven mission, and he was just going to leave without saying goodbye, and his wife like corners him and says like, no, basically you get your ass out there, you tell your kids goodbye, and you own up to the fact that you may not come home. He's like, you can't make me do that. So you know, she was a, a lot more forceful and uh, made him stand up and be the husband and father he needed to be and be honest and brutal with his kids that, hey, daddy's going to go walk on the moon. I might not come back. Right. And I, again, maybe like you know, you were saying, Brian, that the, the uh, uh, in this book she does evolve a lot. So maybe that happens going forward. But with this one, I just kind of see it as like, you know, I'm used to this. I, you know, it's like, oh, you're just going to your work, you know. Oh, Love you, honey. Just another day. Just another day at the office, you know, battling monsters and other dimensions. Um, See, and to me, at the end of it, that just felt the difference in attitude. He just really kind of bared his soul at the moment of what he was going on, and she's just like, whatever, dessert time. And that just 
that kind of left me with a hollow, cold feeling between those two. That's what I found quite interesting. In yeah, I mean, it may have been that. I also, I mean, I, I wonder if the intention was to try to make it um, just seem like this was a commonplace experience. Sure. And it, is it so common? And then how, how does one relate? Sometimes you see people that have such, um, coming from such vastly different viewpoints. It's like, what do they talk about? What is their commonality? Most relationships are based upon a commonality of uh, mutual gratitude and respect. It's how things progress and maintain. But if you don't have that commonality or you lose that, what, what is there? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I gotcha. Um, what are other people's thoughts on this? Um, I haven't heard a whole ton from you. I mean, there really isn't much to add on to. I mean, I thought it was a kind of by the numbers like Battle Pope, except this was... I tended to enjoy this one a little more, the way mm-hmm. it was written. I, mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for, like, you know, high school, teenage right, drama. Would you say? Boys. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> and, uh... No, I... I uh, this is all the Invincible I've ever read, mm-hmm. and okay. I do want to read more because I've heard that it just gets fucking crazy. It does. And... Yeah, uh, I want to know more about the like the super teams that Omni Man mentioned. Uh, was it the Guardians of the Globe and Mega Force? Well, and the fun thing about Guardians of the Globe is that their uh, their secret headquarters is in your neck of the woods. Oh, it's really? In Utah? Yeah, it's in Utah. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> I think that is. I think that's about when Ryan takes over is when they yeah, reveal that. Thanks, well, I know he takes over like halfway through the next trade, so it's we're like yeah. two issues away from Ryan. Yeah. So it's going through there. You know, going there here, one of my favorite things, though, with I was talking about the distance of relationship and with the dad is at one point, um, the main character, Mark, walks out on his job. He's not working there for money, but his dad thinks it's good for his character. He walks out yeah. on his job because he's sick of it. And the next is his dad having this conversation of, you know, maybe it's time to quit that job. And as <laughs> I was reading it, I'm like, the dad absolutely knows. <laughs> totally, he's giving yeah. his son perfect out yeah and then the sun yeah. is going oh yes the timing worked so well i <laughs> yeah. can't believe how lucky i am and i'm like the dad knows yeah there's no way the dad doesn't know and the dad is going you know maybe it is time and that's okay and it's so much that was unsaid got said there that i think was awesome and a great bit of writing mm-hmm. and i really enjoyed that yeah that's the kind of shit your dad would pull actually it is exactly the kind of shit my dad would pull <laughs> that's right <laughs> Well, cool. Uh, Andy, do you? I mean, do you have anything else? Uh, do you want to throw in here before we go into cocktails? I, I just, I can't emphasize enough how much better this gets than this. Yeah. Uh, it, it, okay. This was, uh, I really basic, and Ryan Otley's art takes this to a totally different level, and I, I think the writing goes way far out there too, as these characters get much more developed and uh, we learned there's way more going on in this universe than just simple, like mm-hmm. a kid gets superpowers mm-hmm. in high school. It, it gets yeah. big and epic and galaxy wide. And this, I, I don't know, this feels very like basic and contained and it mm-hmm. just, I, I feel that's the only problem with this book is I don't feel it's really representative of what Invincible becomes. And that's really my only caveat. It's not that it's bad. 
bad. It's just invincible yeah. is so much more. But again, if you were okay. if you listen to I want to hold your hand and you're like, oh, then I understand what the Beatles are. And you're like, no, 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 no. That's like the tip of the iceberg. You got to keep going. Yeah. Just the tip. Yeah. Just, just the tip. Tip's the best part, some say. <laughs> well, it is very sensitive. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, beginnings are special. Yeah, I mean, but it is, uh, and I agree with Andy, like, this is, it's interesting having read, uh, you know, almost all of it to go back and see where it started. And it is interesting how simple it is. It's sort of like, uh, although this seems like its own little sort of storyline with him sort of discovering that his teacher, you know, is creating, you know, bombs out of students and things like that. And then, you know, like, it's, it's such, like, this is not even the first scene in act one you know what i mean like if you if you were to make invincible into like a you know five act shakespearean drama this is maybe one line of dialogue you know compared to what this becomes you know as a a thing uh you know predominantly what we've talked about here mostly what i've talked about what's been well because this is all i've read of it so far the um what i do buy is the relationships Mm -hmm. are quite genuine and they feel real and there's nothing that is um, fake or just, you know, sub- nothing that's forced upon it. Between mm-hmm. his relationship with the girl, it's like, oh, they really clicking well, but they're not boyfriend-girlfriend. They're both quick to say that, but there's definitely the sexual tension there. You've mm-hmm. got the uh, mom and dad and the relationship challenges that they have. You have Mark's mm-hmm. relationship with his dad, and even talking with the mom is the foundation of these relationships are all quite authentic. And that was yes. done wonderfully well. And I think the strongest thing coming through is it all feels very authentic and nothing's forced or just go along with it when it comes to relationship interaction. And I think that was the greatest part of these issues. I, I think I think that's fair to say that probably one of Kirkman's greatest strengths is his ability to write realistic relationships. And I think that's something that's definitely highlighted in uh, The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. you know. Because uh, The Walking Dead, I mean, starts out about as a zombie book and then ends up just becoming this thing. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. it next week, but becomes this this thing where it's it's all about people. I mean, it's a soap opera to a certain extent. It's all about these characters that you come to grow to really care about and you want them to be okay. And you're concerned when new people roll in and you 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 as the reader don't necessarily feel like certain about them. And you're like, I don't know about this character. And then eventually that character might become one of your favorite characters in the book. Um, you know, things like that. So I think that that's I think. A strength that he's had, I mean, we've talked about him growing as a writer, but I think a strength that he's had from the get-go, and I think that this this, this highlights it to a certain extent, I think you've just highlighted it, is his ability to write realistic and, and strong relationships. Mm-hmm. So. so I think that's been fantastic, and it's great. So as it goes anything else, my uh, my thing of, of Kirkman is he gets dialogue and he gets authenticity of relationships, and that's incredible. Yeah. And so good for him yeah. on that. You sometimes see, um, especially like teenage characters, written by an older person, and it, it doesn't come across as authentic. And you're like, no teenager would ever actually talk that way. Sometimes they're either like hyperverbal um, because that's what they've seen in TV shows, or they're very slow and silly. Uh, this one I felt like really got that. I think the voice in the characters is very authentic, and I think that's something that should be commended as well. No, the voice is great. And even with the talking about the art here, we've talked about how Ryan elevates at the next level, but it's not to say anything here is bad on the art side of things. Even at the uh, end of it, you've got this whole sequence of him talking to his wife of where he's been, and her face just stays this um, 
unflinching, unchanging, oh yeah, well, let's talk about dessert. That could have been played off art-wise in several different ways and drastically changed the tone. And the fact that it was yeah. held really um, informs yeah. so much. This, this is the same artist as Battle Pope, right? Is it? Uh, um, I can find that really fast. Hold on. Is it Cory Walker? Uh, do, do, do. Okay. I actually just got pulled up. You are right Cory Walker is the artist. And what's interesting, I would say the detail in Battle Pope is much more detailed than this is it's as i've been reading these yeah. first um parts here is the characters are well drawn the backgrounds only have the absolute minimum as you possibly that's, need yeah that's uh if you ever read anything steve mcniven draws <clears throat> exactly the same very much same thing it's like there is background C- but when war, in doubt civil war old man logan sure it's but, all about the characters and mm-hmm. the right and the background is just this hazy glowy matte color it seems to be it's like do i really like as once you establish this is a mall nothing else matters except for those little easter eggs in right there. so they'll throw in the like, easter eggs so like every line is important could be the other way it could be looked at mm-hmm. here and there's nothing extra but there is it's, it's a focus on the characters Watching. Mm-hmm. Corey Walker did uh, issues nine and ten of Battle Pope. Oh, nine I just and pulled ten. Up, so. Okay, so I did a little bit of Battle Pope, which we didn't read in that first trade. Yeah, that's true. So he's the same age <laughs> I am too. Oh, look at that! He was born in nineteen. Oh, nice. So yeah, but the I really did enjoy the art, and it's seemed... oh, no, Battle Pope was Tony Moore. That's Tony right. Moore who did the first trade of Walking Dead before uh, oh, Charlie Adler took over. All right. Okay. Well, cool. Um, I think that is a good spot to jump into cocktails. Oh, Adam. I'm sorry, Adam. I apologize. I thought you were going to jump in conversation. I like the way you like you like rolled your eyes your head and you're just like orgasmic touching my knee. (laughs) Actually, the other knee is the one that's fucked up right now. Is it? It it hurts every time I move it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Probably good with redis. Old. Old. Um. Yeah. So, uh, again, I was had to go step away for a second, so I may be repeating things that were already said. Um. A couple things I really liked about this was that, you know, obviously we had to tell the story of how he became a superhero, but unlike other uh, other stories, and even like with movies, like with Venom and stuff that came out, is the origin takes place in like two pages, and then you're done with it. You don't need to have, like, mm-hmm. you know, watching his dad get murdered, and then he like, with great power comes great responsibility, and blah, 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 blah. He just, he's like, all right, cool, you're, you're part alien, so you're probably gonna get powers when you hit puberty and, you know, start getting all weird. And then he does, and he flies, and he's fine with it. And that, that was just a great way to be like, cool, now you're a superhero, go learn how to become one. Um, and, and that's kind of how... Mm-hmm. Actually, I was talking with a, someone the other day about this, is that that's why I love the Wonder Woman movie so much, was because we didn't have to spend an hour of her origin story. You know, she really becomes Wonder Woman when she steps out on No Man's Land to go fight the Germans, but the journey there mm-hmm. actually makes sense within the plot, and it's moving the story forward and not serving just to move her forward as far as in her development. So... I kind of like they did it with this. And also, I like the fact that this kid's actually enjoying being a superhero. You know, so many times nowadays, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, we got to be like, you know, dark or brooding or like, you know, have all this misery going on or be conflicted and this and that. And you may see more of that in future issues. But he's like, oh, cool, I can fly. I'm going to go fly now and then punch bad guys. Like, there's just a sense of joy about it that I think any normal person, if they were imbued with superpowers, would probably show. Because, I mean, if mm-hmm. I can go fly and punch things really hard, I'd be having a blast. Um, so that was really fun and then yeah I like the the family dynamics I want to see where it kind of goes with you know his dad mentoring him and also of course you know you said his mom evolves a lot so I do want to see that 
but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with it. And if anything, I'm really, really glad I got nine more trades I can tear through before I start buying them. So Th- that's one of the most interesting things about this is as it goes forward, he kind of goes in waves. As it's like, you know, being a superhero is a burden and it's terrible. And then there's other times where it's like, yeah, this is really kick ass. And uh, no, this is you invisible, know, not kick ass. Yeah. um but but it's um but i think that's one of the the great things about it is they know how to throttle that kind of up and back and invincible as like an entire run never got too dark for me and like was able to Mm -hmm. to come back to some of that that happiness um that oh the otherwise uh we would have never have gotten whereas the walking dead uh, that's that's just a slog all the time so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although it's a slog I enjoy. But yes. That's that's a totally different issue. The thing I, w- I would say also about is when he does sort of have a darker brooding sort of idea, it's not about being a superhero. It's all about how it affects his personal life. It's all about trying to have a normal life as well as being a superhero. And that's really where the focus is. I don't I don't recall, maybe Andy, you can remember one a sequence, but I don't recall a sequence where he ever really regrets being a superhero. Like, he doesn't regret what he does. No. He just wishes that there wasn't a catastrophe all the time so that he could have a slightly more normal life. Right. Yeah, I agree you know? with that. Um, and there's some points in time where, for very logical reasons within the plot, he developed some trust issues with certain groups of people, um, but that's a totally different issue as well. Um Apparently Kirkman had some issues with the government at a certain point in time, but that's a totally different thing, too. And Adam, you actually didn't repeat a whole lot, to be honest with you. That was sort of oh, all yeah. original, sort of good stuff, so I uh, appreciate that. Does anybody else, before I cut somebody off, and I, I feel terrible that I've forgotten somebody, does anybody else have anything they want to add before we go into cocktails? I had a really good poop. <laughs> I'm glad. I want to point out the the Charlie Brown cameo uh, at the Twin Pines Mall. I, did anyone I did else know. see this? I'm going to look for which part of it is it in. This sounds like I think I remember seeing that. I'm trying to remember what it was. It's uh, it's it's the page where they go to the Twin Pines Mall and the guy wakes up on the bench and finds out he's got okay. a bomb on him. In in the panel immediately before that, uh, you'll look at the page. The top of the page, you see uh-huh. the Twin Pines oh, Mall. I see it. The second panel on the it. far left, you see this kid. That's totally Charlie Brown. And then you yeah, see him walk by, and he has his tag and, sticking out of his shirt when he walks by. So yeah, so um, yeah, there's there's three long panels or sideways panels. He is on the middle panel. He is on the far left side, and then he's on the far right side on the next panel as the guy's just about to wake up. So when he's still sitting yeah. on the bench, just before he wakes up at the bottom of the page, you can totally catch him. That's funny. I did not catch that. It's a little little weird bald kid with a oh. yellow shirt and a black <laughs> stripe funny. on it. It was it was just so out of place. I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's Charlie, that Charlie Brown. Brown. The honest fact that's of it Charlie too, though, Brown. is looking at it, I feel like, and I don't know if this is just because it's a Twin Pines Mall thing, but in the same panel where you first see Charlie Brown looking up, if you look at the left-hand side, or the right-hand side, that looks similar to the jacket that Marty McFly wears in Back to the Future 2. Like, very similar. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if that's a... I don't know if that's a Marty totally. McFly reference it or does. not, but it looks very similar to that jacket. But it, it's enough to have the Twin Pines Mall and have it be a, a reference to Back to the Future, but that might be another little little throw in there. Well, thank you for pointing that out to me, Andy. I will never unsee that again. There it is. So there you go. There's your Charlie Brown reference. Cocktails. Mr. Todd, what is your cocktail? 
Mine is called the Invincible Harry Naval. Okay. So, um, you know, this first four issues are talking about the guy becoming a man, a superhero and whatnot. And when you're becoming a man and whatnot, and you're doing your first forays into drinking, it seems the fuzzy navel always makes an appearance. So it's quite the juvenile, boozy drink. Yeah. And makes you feel invincible. So I think it all fits for that. All right. So your basic fuzzy navel is equal parts peach schnapps along with orange juice. Mm-hmm. So for this drink here, you're going to want four ounces of peach schnapps and four ounces of um, orange juice. But to make the um, invincible hairy navel, the to do a traditional hairy navel is you add some vodka mm-hmm. to it. But instead, we're going to be adding tequila. So oh. what you're going to have to do is add an ounce, ounce and a half of your Cabo Wabo Anejo tequila to this thing. So it just kind of kicks it up a notch. Because whenever you drink tequila, especially when you're young and dumb and stupid and you're you know, an invincible little guy. It's like, oh yeah, well come on in and drink some tequila and life will be great and awesome because I'm amazing before you realize otherwise. Yeah, the invincible Harry Navel. Okay. In honor of Mark. And uh, you're just pouring that all into a, a glass? Just put it in a little Collins glass, you know, like a lowball glass right there. Um, don't add ice, don't do anything like that. Just mix them together and you use a spoon to mix it around. You don't want to add any extra air to it, so shaking the shit out of it is not apropos. Okay. So just put it in a glass, no ice, just take a spoon, stir it around a bit, and then you slam it because when you're young and dumb, that's what you do. Young, dumb, and full of cum? That's right. Or hoping to be. After the podcast. That's right. It takes the hairy navel to get there. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, Mr. Adam, what is your cocktail? Uh, so mine's called the family dinner because this is kind of meant to be like uh, you make it like a big punch bowl and then you serve it to as many people as you want. Um, so depending on how you want to do this, you can you know do ounces, you can do cups, you know whatever works best for you for how many people you want to serve. Um, you're going to do uh, four parts of a spiced rum. So you can do like Sailor Jerry's, you can do Captain Morgan, whatever you like. Uh, two parts apple cider, uh, two parts ginger liqueur, one part maple syrup, a little sweetener there, uh, and then one part fresh lemon juice. Uh, you're basically going to combine that all in a big bowl. You're going to stir the shit out of it to make sure that the maple syrup gets mixed in. You add ice, and then you serve it to people. Cool. You can serve it to anybody. That ginger liqueur actually sounds quite interesting. Yeah, because I love that ginger beer you get from Farmer's Market. Yeah. So I, but the ginger liqueur just sounds like it'd be like really like nice, kind of zesty, kind of punchy in the nose. Yeah, and that, that one actually sounds quite good. Yeah. The maple, the maple syrup I'm a little bit iffy on because I'm not really a big maple syrup fan, but I can see how that would just be enough to give it a bit of a sweeter taste. No, by all means. So. No, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, mine I'm calling uh, Global Crisis. Uh, it was actually a drink called Global Warming, but I changed it ever so slightly to a different type of Global Crisis. Uh, it is two ounces of rum, one ounce of lemon juice, a half teaspoon of activated charcoal, one chunk of dry ice, and you add sugar to taste. You pour all the ingredients into a goblet over dry ice, serve as the black smoke begins to billow over the cup's edge uh which basically it's is the drink black well the charcoal I mean, I... The, the, the activated charcoal and the dry ice will create like a black smoke is that what it's doing that yeah. charcoal yeah okay so hmm. um and then mr maya what is your cocktail yeah so mine's a uh it's a, calling it the robot iced tea uh named after the robot on the the Super, super, team. super team. I can't remember what they're called, or if they even said what their team name. I think they're called like the Teen Team or something. The Teen Team. Yeah. The Teen um, Team. Yeah. But in a yep. highball glass with ice, you're going to build the build your drink in this order: uh, three quarters of an ounce of vodka, three quarters of an ounce of gin, three quarters of an ounce of triple sec, three quarters of an ounce of rum, 
one ounce of bourbon whiskey, two ounces of sweet and sour mix, and topping it off with one ounce of wild turkey. Uh, and then you're going to add lemons to taste. Good hell, man. Lemons to taste. I, I, I would just be smashed after drinking that. <laughs> I've seen the videos. You know, I am so glad that the worst I was ever smashed was actually a Long Island Extra Stiff at a Bloodhound Gang concert. And this is when the uh, Moto Razor first generation was out. There was a video of me in very compromising positions. I'm glad Facebook wasn't around. Mr. Andy, what is your uh, what is your drinking or uh, mocktail, I should say? Yeah, mine like Adam's is a punch bowl recipe. Uh, Is the Adam E pink drink? Uh, You pretty simple. Take a 48-ounce can of pineapple juice, one cup of pink lemonade mix, like your Country Time lemonade mix, uh, and mix that together in a big old punch bowl. Add two liters of Sprite 7-Up, whatever your favorite uh, lemon-lime beverage is, and then uh, get some uh, frozen raspberry sherbet and take like three or four uh, big scoops of that and put them in there as as your ice and uh, serve that up and and have some fun. Apparently, this is a traditional drink served at baby showers, so none of us have probably ever Ooh. had it, although many of our uh, significant others may may have had, had various baby showers, but I'm told <laughs> it's very good. So It sounds great. Okay. Yeah. Parting thoughts. Do we want to talk about ways we can consume this thing? Because oh, yeah, it's been out call. for a while now. There's... Uh, myriad of yeah so we've got comicology yes. we got trades we've got deluxe editions we've got compendiums <laughs> i mean like for example here i got compendium volume one which is issues zero through 47 i mean the thing mm-hmm. is kind of like a phone book and i feel if i hit someone over the head with it the book would come out for the better and the person would be sprawled on the floor true and how bloody some of the art ends up being it would probably just add to the factor of yeah the, you know, it just the, makes the, it better the of the book. so i mean you can get it in four six issue trades you can get it in 12 issue hardbounds you can comiXology it's like the first 10 trades are part of unlimited at this time yes so i mean it's been around for a while there's lots of choices for consumption so and you get and, a 30 day free trial of comiXology unlimited so you know yeah. go ahead and sign up and read a bunch of invincible I think they, yeah That'd be great. I think they've even made a um, a motion comic of this, you know, where they take they have one point time yeah. it around as someone reads it out loud, type of a deal. Mm-hmm. And then there's talks of a cartoon and a movie of this have been optioned. So yeah. I mean, um, even though the series has been completed, it is definitely um, in active development in other mediums. Is I guess mm-hmm. I would add in and say, so it's like, oh, it's now just going to be consigned to the books of this half. This was a thing back in the day, but it's still an active thing. I I would say of all of the major comic properties uh, that are not owned by Marvel and DC that have not yet made it into some form of development, I think this is like the easiest slam dunk for someone to do, and I can't figure out why someone hasn't done it yet. It's like, this isn't very hard. This is like a really basic story, and it would not be hard to do. And you just say, the guy who wrote The Walking Dead, 
It's a superhero story. Mm-hmm. Everyone would Done. everyone would go see this effing movie or watch the show. Like, and mm-hmm. I I don't think it would be that hard to pull off. So I'm just I I'm just amazed that there isn't an invincible movie or TV show yet. Yeah, it is kind of weird that that yeah that hasn't happened yet. But final grades. Let's go into final grades. Uh, self-contained. For self-contained, for this story being uh, a little bit of a story on its own, for only being four issues, uh, what is your grade, uh, Mr. Andy? Yeah, it's, uh, that's it's, uh, well, an A minus again with an asterisk um, because yeah. knowing what happens just six, seven issues after this ends. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to say, like, this isn't that self-contained, but uh, yeah, it's self-contained. You could read this, but don't go read mm-hmm. go read the next stuff. Please, 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 yeah. please, please, just go read that <laughs> stuff. Uh, Mr. Todd. You know, I give it an A- minus as well. It's got a, that, I mean, it's the beginning of the series. It's got a great start, and it ends with, what do you want for dessert? And it feels very episodic. And self-contained as an episodic mm-hmm. event at this time, so it gets an A minus. Yeah, cool, uh, Mr. Adam. Um, I'm gonna go with an A just because you know, as far as the story goes, it wraps up nicely, but also makes you wonder what's gonna happen next. And you know, obviously, you guys have read it. You know what does come next, but as someone coming in brand new to the series, it, it worked really well for me. Cool, uh, Mr. Maya. Uh, I'm also gonna give it an A because if I were to just base it on these four issues alone and nothing else, because. Uh, we're just talking about this trade. I'm going to give it an A. I wasn't lost. It's, self, it's a self-contained story. And uh, I will also give it an A for self-contained. Writing grade. Uh, for writing, for Mr. Kirkman, um, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with an A-, minus, mainly based on the fact that like, I think this is good on its own, but I know where he eventually evolves into, and I know this is not his best work yet, but eventually will probably become some of his best work over the course of the series. Uh, Mr. Maya, what is your grade? Uh, I'll give the writing a B plus, uh, just because... I've read much better Kirkman than this, so uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll give it a B plus. I, okay. I know what he's capable of, and this didn't quite hit that. Uh, cool, uh, Mr. Todd. You know, I give it a B B plus. He absolutely nailed the relationships. The story itself for these first four trades was fine. So okay, Mr. Andy. Yeah, B. Uh, same same deal, and I feel maybe I'm being a little unfair grading on a curve uh not only of what kirkman's capable of but of what this book is capable of uh there were a couple little times where i think i'm just like what are you doing here like for some reason mark is complaining about how about the cafeteria food like okay yeah yeah, i get it it's the cafeteria food's bad haha like there's there's i just know there's better stuff coming and uh but overall, it's it's good, and it's it's a good story. So maybe I'm being a little harsh, but B. Mr. Adam. Um, I'll go with an A-. You know, this is only the second Kirkman book I've ever read. That uh, was definitely a step up from Battle Pope. And I, I really mm. enjoyed it, so. Art grade. For art, for Corey Walker, uh, what is your grade, Mr. Adam? Um, I'll go with an A- again. I mean, the, the colors are bright. It was fun. It was penciled well. Uh, that being said, though, I am a huge uh, Ryan Otley fan, so I am excited to see to read more and get to the issues where he takes over because I do like his art style better. Uh, Mr. Maya. Uh, I'm also going to stick with the B plus for this. It uh, wasn't bad by any means, but it wasn't, it didn't knock my socks off. Mr. Todd. I'll give it a B minus B. 
I mean, the characters are fine. All the brush strokes were there for the character portions. The backgrounds were um, rather lacking, all in all. Um, it can definitely be a choice in and of itself. It also felt like trying someone trying to hit deadlines. So, okay. And that's part of the reason why I think... I, I, don't quote me on this. I think that's why Otley took over. Oh, really? That's why, well, that's, and that's why in Walking Dead, that's why Charlie Adler took over for Tony Moore, because Tony Moore... Meets deadlines? Does not... Tony Moore does not meet deadlines. Mm. That's why Charlie Adler took over. Charlie Adler can knock out, like, three issues in a month. <laughs> wow. Sure. And, uh, and I'm gonna go with, uh, I'll go with a B. I'll go with a B. I'll just stick with a B for art. I'm the odd man out here. C. I did okay. not know. Oh, wow. I was just like, again, knowing Ryan Otley's art <laughs> and knowing how mm-hmm. good it gets. Um, it bugged me. This guy can't draw noses. The noses <laughs> yeah. look so weird. And every time I looked at Mark or his dad's or his mom's or Adam's face, Adam Eve's face, I'm just like, that doesn't look right. And um, yeah, again, uh, maybe I'm being too harsh knowing what I'm getting just a few issues later. Uh, but I was... I was not a fan of the art here. That being said, oh my gosh, Invincible overall as a book, Ryan Otley, A+. A+. There are there are splash pages from issue 100 that blow my mind and are some of the most beautiful comic art I've ever seen in my life. So... Uh, I, I just I keep coming back to this. Maybe I'm being too too mean on this, but I know what's coming, and it's so much better. Well, and now you pointed out the noses thing. I can't unsee it, and it's making me crazy. So now. Sorry, you need to Andy. figure out what is the equivalent <laughs> of the sock for the French painters for the nose. Hmm. You know, because those painters couldn't draw feet to save their life. So what's their solution? Just put a sock on the foot. You have all these dead mm-hmm. bodies splayed about in this great French artist work, and yet they're wearing socks. So we need to figure out what's the sock for the nose. No, put them in masks. Hey, there we go. Yeah, but then no one wears a mask in this. So you, yeah. uh, but you do get that iconic, uh, like '70s porn stash on Invincible's dad. That's yeah, it was that's, pretty great. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And, that's pretty iconic. And and looking at it with the iconic the. Um, Invincible's costume was very much detailed and designed in these first four issues. Uh, agreed. And and some of the yeah. cool things about this first trade is there is a lot of the development art. And looking at that, I think some of that is even better than than what we got in the the issue itself, too. Alright. So. so with we've talked we've crowed about Mr. Ollie, and he's great. I'm not saying otherwise, but this artist does deserve, I mean, he's the one that set the style. Agreed. Agreed. Sure. Yeah. So he gets that credit. I'm being I'm I'm being mean. <laughs> I'll just count it. No, I don't think you oh. are. I, I understand your perspective. Sure. The nose thing does make me crazy now <laughs> that I see it. Like it makes me absolutely nuts, but it's just a little, you know, sideways carrot. Well it's it's the weird loop around the end of the nose that makes everyone look like they have like a wart on the end of their nose or something like that is what I think. <sighs> like that's sure. the, that's the thing that makes me a little bit crazy. Final grades. For final grade for the overall book, what is your grade 
Mr. Andy, since I forgot you last time. B. B? Um, I like it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good book. Um, Invincible somewhere in the teens, 30s, 50s, 70s is even better. So just keep going. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I'm going to give it a B plus. Uh, I think it gets a lot better, but I think this is uh, this is fun the way it is. Uh, Mr. Maya, uh, I'm I'm at a B plus. Okay. Yeah, like like I said, you know, with the writing and the art, you know, it's not horrible, but it didn't knock my socks off. But it does want me coming back for more. So B plus. Okay, uh, Mr. Adam, uh, I'm gonna go with an A minus. Like I said, I really enjoyed this. It made me excited to go uh, see what's coming next. And because I know Ryan Otley is coming on board in a couple of issues, that makes me even more excited. So. Uh, overall, it was a fun package, and I want to go see what's coming next. Okay. Uh, Mr. Todd. At the end of the day, as much as we love Ryan, Corey Walker did do a fine job. And this gets a fine grade of a B. Um, I keep hearing how things get better, but we're looking at these first four issues. And it was fine. It was good. It was very serviceable. The um, It felt authentic in many ways. And that authenticity is really what was winning me out and having these characters be believable and having things match up. So, okay. yeah, it's a B. Even the villain. We didn't talk much about the villain, but you talk about his his axe he had to grind, and I even get the axe he had to grind. So, go... Um, so, Kirkman gets it for motivations and relationships, and the initial design work by Walker was top-notch and at the end of the day. So, yeah, it's a good solid B. Grade point average. We're just barely under a B plus. We're at a 3.26, so I'm going to round up to a B plus average for our overall GPA. Next week on Funny Books on Firewater. Awesome. So so next week we are going to be jumping into uh, The Walking Dead. Uh, this first book will, for those of you who are fans of the TV show, will remind you a certain amount of the, uh, of, of the first series. Uh, once again, like Invincible, it's a very different representation of where the book eventually ends up going, actually. Um, it is far more simplistic than what eventually ends up evolving into, but uh, there is still some uh, some great stuff in this. Um, Andy, I'm, have you read Walking Dead? Uh, I have not all of it, but I, I have read okay. I've read a decent amount. Uh, my memory, I haven't read reread it, but my memory of it was is that like sort of like Invincible. It was like the starting of what eventually evolved into like a a very deep like craziness. Because like I'm caught up as far as trades go. I just fairly I finished reading Trade Thirty the other night just to make sure that I got caught up. And there is some stuff that if they do on the TV show, holy crap! Uh, later on, but not necessarily in this first book that we're going to encounter. I know uh, this this current season. I'm not caught up on the show, but I know this current season they're dealing with. Uh... Oh, what were they called? The people who walked around wearing They're doing the, the whispers? They're doing oh the whispers, Oh my gosh, that yeah. was one of the things that I was like, there's no way they can do this on TV. Like, that's that's what I've heard. I haven't, I'm behind half a season, so I'll let you know when okay, I get Okay, I need up. to get caught up on that. I think I've, I've watched through like season three or something like that, but not that I didn't like the show, I just get All busy, right. but okay. Recommendations. You know, I recommended before checking out the DC Universe app. Uh, as we record this this last week, the first episode of Titans dropped, and I actually really liked it. Um, Were you surprised you liked it? I'm not surprised I liked it, but okay. seeing, but I'm surprised that other people liked it that have liked it. Okay. Um, it's very, very CWE feeling. Uh, as as Eddie pointed out, it's a CW show with a TVMA rating. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, no, it was just a lot of fun, and I really want to see where it goes. Uh, Robin has some anger issues to get out, and my guess is once he gets all those anger issues out, he'll change into Nightwing. How do I watch this show? It's on the DC Universe app. Okay. It's the, the first of their originals that they're doing on it. And uh, we get an episode now through December, every Friday through, I think, December 11th. And then it'll, it sh- should change into Young Justice Weekly after that. And then keep... the way that they made it look like they posted this whole graphic, it looks like we're getting an episode of new content every week from now until at least the end of next year. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Titan, I believe it's 11 episodes. Uh, is what they have scheduled so sweet check it out it's it's not terrible even for <laughs> it's every, not terrible and, and for everyone that, and for everyone harping on the uh, fuck batman moment uh get the fuck over it and check it out because it's not terrible okay <laughs> we've, we've had battle wing since then so yeah we've had bat we've had bruce wang bruce, bruce wang, wang. Uh, we're in a different right. world now this is a post post bruce wang world but, you know, blue dick, no one bats an eye. But Bruce shows his wang and people lose their minds. Yep. How it goes. All right. Bye. 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 I had actual non-comic book fans ask me about Bruce Wayne's dick moment. And I was like, how did this become national news? Well, you know, he's circumcised now. Well, there's That's that. been answered. So <laughs> for everyone deeply wondering. Well, Mr. Circumcision, what's your recommendation? <laughs> You know, on YouTube, I've been really getting into these video essays I've enjoyed lately. And there's one guy named um, Patrick H. Willem. And he's got this whole series of movies and other things or whatnot. And he's like, why I love Mission Impossible and why it's great. Or why James Cameron is great. Or The Last Jedi is great. And this is why. And he really goes quite detailed into all the things that makes them wonderful. And it's... um quite refreshing and you go like you know you're absolutely right it's someone that's had quite a bit of training in the art of cinema but going through and explaining between camera shots and story beats and everything else of why he loves things so much and it's enjoyable he'll even said a lot of these things when he's saying why he's great is his conceit for it is he's woken up his parents in the middle of the night on this youtube channel and it really is his parents you find out later and he's drinking a fifth of whiskey or whatever kind of booze there is and explaining why he loves Mission Impossible or Fast and the Furious so much. And the parents are like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. And he's like, no, you need to understand this thing is amazing. Mm -hmm. And he loves it so much and he's expressing all the elements of why it's fantastic. And it's really worth a listen to. Patrick H. Willem is the channel on YouTube. Check it out. Willem. Willem. That's right. Okay. Uh, Mr. Adam, what do you have any recommendations? Um, I think this week I'm good, so okay. I'll try something for next week. Okay, cool. Mr. Andy? I want to give a second to Titans. I enjoyed that quite a bit as well. And I love that we live in a universe where we can have both the Titans TV show that is TVMA and kind of dark and Teen Titans Go, Teen Titans Go to the movies. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. my my personal favorite of where I want my tone for Teen Titans is uh, the the older animated show. Um, I think they hit that really well, mixing the the serious and the uh, and the fun aspects. But I like that everything can exist on a spectrum, and it's all good. Uh, I give DC a lot of crap a lot of times for 
being very incoherent and having uh, styles and tones all over the place. But at the same time, when I really sit back and think about it, I like all of these things. And, uh, you know, it's life's a buffet. And when you've got a when you've got a streaming app from D.C. that has uh, their comics and so many of their animated shows, you take the stuff that you like. You pass on the stuff that you don't like, and you go back for seconds on the stuff you like even more. So um, that, I, I think it's probably worth anyone who is a fan going ahead and uh, getting that DC app uh, for the show, but then also going back and looking at you know, the Batman animated series or uh, any, of, any of those, revisiting some of that as well because that that is all great as well so i watched the pilot episode to birds of prey and that's less than great the the old one yeah from the early 2000s oh yeah that's on the dc app <laughs> is it, it oh. yeah so you just watch it and you're like oh how far we've come <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but the fact that they have it on there and you can watch it it makes it great especially if you know you're paying for it you can if you watch something that's kind of mad that's right so what you're, you didn't pay any yeah. extra for it. Yeah. Yeah. Move on. Yep. It's a buffet. It's great. Uh, and I'm going to recommend Gwenpool from uh, Marvel Comics. Has anybody else ever read this, or am I the only one who's read, I read this? Oh, yeah. I, I know Gwenpool. I, so Gwen, yeah. I got the Gwenpool's first trade. a lot of fun. I was at a, I, every once in a while, I'll go visit a different comic shop than I normally go to, just because different Cheater. comic shops have different special... Yeah, a little bit. Which, Todd, though, you would appreciate this because we had a very in-depth discussion. We can discuss this here in a second if you want. All right. But we'll get, we'll get into something in a minute. But So I stumbled onto Gwenpool. I hadn't normally seen it in my local comic shop, so I picked it up, and I loved the hell out of it. And one to Adam's point earlier where he said he didn't necessarily need a full origin story or to simplify In the trade I read, Gwenpool literally says, we'll get to my origin story later. How often do you really need to see Uncle Ben die? I've seen him a bunch of times. But the basically conceit <laughs> of Gwenpool is that she was a massive comic book fan who somehow got sucked into the comic book world and is now like well they're not going to kill me because i'm a main character so she sort of has that sort of that deadpool manic sort of energy where she's like well i know who the hell everybody is i know all their secret identities i know all this stuff because i've read every comic in the world and just sort of like will jump off a building because she knows that something's going to save her and she's like i wonder what's going to happen and she ends up landing in you know like a a pillow a truck full of pillows and that's how she survives and she just sort of laughs it off and goes through it it's really fun um it reminds me of this the type of deadpool stuff that i really liked from uh from way which i know was not adam's favorite stuff but i really enjoyed it um so it's just sort of a fun manic kind of book and i really really dug it so better than nut job oh significantly <laughs> you know because you yeah. made us read nut job right i know i know i know and i will never live that down I, I i'm sorry there I'm we very, go very i mean, just need to hear that on occasion so we understand yeah. your penance yeah, eventually someone's got to pick a book shittier than that, so I have to. I, I don't know that might be that takes the cake right now. <laughs> no, no, bo 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 Are you sure? Because we knew that was we knew how iffy that was to start with. Yeah, no. And that one is like, oh, it's Deadpool. Everyone loves Deadpool. Let's read this great Deadpool, and we're like, what the fuck was this? My hopes were set, and it was dashed so fully. Versus my, we'll see how this goes. I had the Deadpool was the greater disappointment. Yeah, but I hated the little more. Uh, yeah. But the disappointment, the chasm is. But the disappointment is on your expectations, though. Sure, because we're like, all right, Brian, who's read all the Deadpool, what should we read? 
See, I will admit not my mistake. Wrong. There's I... no intrasigence here going on. No, I, I I am wrong. I understand this. What, all I can say is I was trying to think of something that would stand on its own two feet. That could could be a self-contained story because I've read him in long run series and I was I didn't want to just give you like the first issue of whatever first collection of whatever. So that was my intention was to try to have something that sort of stood on its own, uh -huh. and I made the wrong Sorry. choice. So I've been enjoying this log of villain a little too much, but I, apparently. So okay, so so Todd, we've had we've had nerdy arguments, and we can have this off there if we need uh -huh. to. But I just wanted to point out something. So we've had nerdy arguments about whether or not when you arrange your comic books on your shelf, you do so like I do, based on publisher, or like you do based on just, you know, alphabetical order See, or whatever. And I adopted that from Maya. I'll give Maya credit to that. Oh, really? So, so, yeah, keep going. My belief system is, is it's just, it's how it makes sense to me. I know who published it, so therefore, because there's certain publishers have certain styles, and so that's, that's how I can find it on my bookshelf, which is fine. It was interesting, this comic shop I went to followed your idea, and it was just flat out alphabetical order regardless of publisher, mm -hmm. which is the first time I've ever gone into a comic shop and found that, which I thought was very so interesting. So here's the deal with that, and where I've become pro of that is, so some people are taking the publisher and organizing it much like a genre. So you're going, oh, it's a comic book, and it's Marvel's genre. And it's DC mm -hmm. genre and it's image genre and that's kind of bullcrap. And it's like, well, yeah. the Marvel DC stuff's all connected, unless it's not. And people are mm -hmm. going, oh, I really like Batman. What else is DC? And it's like, oh, well, if you like Batman and you like DC, you should read Starfire. And nothing against Starfire, but is Starfire related to Batman? You know, kinda, not really. It's mm -hmm. better served. So, if you get so heavy on the classification, things get lost. Or you're going, I know this starts with a. It's so it's like a Dewey. De it's like a misguided Dewey Decimal System, and you're putting a you know with your Carlos Linnaeus of you know family genus class species. I think you're putting the family in the wrong position. Because you can go, this is part of a shared universe, so they're all kind of connected. But it's like saying DC is the mammal of the family. And DC can be the mammal, but Marvel's the mammal. And Invincible is the mammal. And separating it out and putting that ahead of the other thing is, I think, the big mistake. Here's my perspective on that, though, is that... I like to keep certain things together in certain ways that make sense in my head on my bookshelf. And one of the and like I can remember publisher. I don't necessarily always remember writer. So at least like having them separated by publisher helps me narrow down where something is. Whereas if I was to put it by writer or put it by story, or then you get the weird question of is you know world's greatest comics Deadpool technically in the W's or is it in the D's with Deadpool? And then you get weird things like that as well. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, separating them out, it, it, I, I understand your perspective, but I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying, for me personally, I can keep track of where Image Comics is. I know what books are published by which people. Um, that's just something that is in my head already. So that's I put them on my shelf that way because that's how I can find stuff when I'm looking for You know, it. it's there. And I've even gone through and I'll have like an author spotlight. Or I have I'll, a few of those as well, yeah. And I do that. I'll even do like genre is not quite the right word, but I'll have a sections, you know, like, uh, female char main characters that kick ass mm -hmm. and it can be as much and, and for there I'd have a Wonder Woman next to a Queen and Country 
next to um, like Gwynpole, for example. Yeah. And they would all kind of fit together, but you would you would need to find the commonality. And comics as the medium is I don't on my DVDs I don't have my Warner Brothers movies grouped together versus my Universal versus my Disney because I don't give a crap. And I think that makes it more convoluted in the long run. And it might, personally, it could be, potentially, I mean, it's your own collection, you do as you see fit. But truly examining it from the publisher, I mean, my books, books, I don't have Harper Collins versus Random House either, or Tor versus Penguin. And yeah. the fact that comic shops or other places do is a weird anachronism as a whole and I also think it makes it a uh, it also emphasizes the us versus them and I can say oh I'm a DC guy sure I'm a DC guy and I like Image and I have Marvel more limited but is that separation in classification causing a separation that shouldn't be no I understand that perspective and I mean like I said it's just a way that I have in my head that classifies it the other thing too though is Mm -hmm. visually certain publishers publish their book in a specific way and there's something visually about a shelf of having things lined up in a fashion that they all sort of match that you know like most of Marvel's current stuff has the red Marvel logo at the top and a white spine yeah yeah, the trade dress is similar on different things and so for me um that's sort of an appealing factor to it as well. Like, and I'm not saying that you're wrong. I think it's a difference of perspective. Right. Um, I think that potentially as my collection grows to a point in time where I need to have something a little bit is bigger than my brain can keep track of, which we're, we're steadily approaching it. Um, I may have to reconsider how I, how I do everything. But the other thing too is, is that where I put stuff now makes sense to me in my head. So it's easier for me to find stuff. Eventually there's going to be a point in time where I need to do something else to be able to find right. And I'm do you move for. a genre as like my slice of life stuff goes here, my superhero stuff goes here, my independence? Because you can have image, but then there's there's 500 other comic publishers. And I have an independent selection. You right. know what I mean? You like, got that right there. And it's really the, the 500 independent comic publishers that really forced me to change my perspective because Aftershock yeah. is doing some great stuff. I like some stuff from Avatar Press. But mm-hmm. you have Oni Press and Titan and some of these others doing decent stuff too. And I'm like, why? I have two books by Aftershock and just is pulling something out of the air. And the fact that they were sequestered by themselves failed to make any sense. So while I might have the largest section of being, say, Vertigo, Image, DC, it was a disservice to the other stuff that unless I'm like, oh, why is it there? Because I just know it kind of fails to make sense and it breaks apart in the micro of the other publishers. Well, it would be different if I was running a library and people were coming to look through my books all the time. It's for me to find them. If somebody wants to borrow a book, I know where to find it. So it's... No, that's absolutely true. And yeah, and do what absolutely you want there. But even for me, grouping things together, like, oh, I have this idea and... I'm not necessarily 100% on alphabetical being the way to go. Because, like, take Batman. You have All-Star mm-hmm. Batman. You have Tales of the Batman. You've got Detective Comics Batman. And then you've got Gates of Gotham Batman. And what order or how do you do this? Or it's like, oh, I've got a Batman section. Great. 
and you can have section but if it's if i have it by publisher and by section i think the by publisher kills the section i disagree but that's okay we've yeah. had this argument for a long time we will that's continue right. to have this so argument for a long time. but you know when i initially <laughs> saw maya doing it i'm like maya that's kind of weird but the more i thought about it i decided he was right yeah i get that yeah this conversation went on way longer than I was expecting. Right, so go. we're going to let everybody go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. And uh, we will see you next week for The Walking Dead. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for having me. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.